Hey, welcome back to the Practical Church Revitalization Podcast. I am your host, Don McKinnon, and with me is no one. <laughs> it is the holiday weekend, which is kind of weird how this went to be recorded, but Eric is away on uh, vacation again. He got away for the holiday weekend with... Um, his wife and uh, some mothers and having some good times as I hear motorcycles drive by I don't know if that came through but uh, <clears throat> excuse me I've got uh, I've been having a little bit of asthma going on right now and uh, it is still somewhat of an interesting day here uh going on with life i'm gonna see if i need to turn this down a little bit um we yeah that may not be working i don't know anyway um the big thing is i guess uh i'm gonna try not to move my chair i've gotten some messages from some of you that uh, have said that the um chair squeaks i'm trying to get my wife because i could sit uh not squeaking but she does not like the idea of recording with two computers doing zoom and i have not figured out why uh the equipment we have is not working and used to i don't know if any updates you know microsoft windows is weird with their updates but uh, i have it on good authority that um October, I am going to be getting a new chair. Um, I'm hoping that it's going to fit in this area. I have an old desk, which is, um, I think I'm the fifth pastor to sit behind this desk. It works well. Uh, don't get me wrong. It works well, but I am not a fan of it. I would much rather have something a little newer. Um, even though it's, if I look at inside all the drawers in here, uh, they all have stuff that, um, typical desks do, you know, the, the storage and, uh, it's kind of fun. <laughs> it's kind of fun, but, um, some of the stuff going on right now has just been, um, interesting, um, you know. Uh, I will give you, I, I wish in some ways, I, I, one of the podcasts I listened to, um, they just did their season finale, and it got me thinking, I actually was talking to Eric about this, is, you know, we don't seem to really focus that we've had seasons. I think it would be interesting if we did, as the uh, Practical Church, um, you know, we look back, I think we launched in April of 2017, I could be wrong, it was either April 2017 or April 2018, I can't remember, but I know we launched then, and we haven't been the greatest in keeping up with um, our updates, you know, keeping up uh, the podcast, it should be, you know, we should be up to like 200 and something probably uh, with our podcasts, and really, even though we've been numbering them, We've had so many mini-episodes that I think we are probably at about 100. Um, if we're in all honesty, we're, we're probably in and around 100. But um, 
that said, it's kind of interesting some of the stuff that's going on. Um, Eric is uh, working on doing a uh, report for us uh, on the Replant Summit 2021 with Sarah, and uh, we hope to have that uploaded soon. He's also got an interview with uh, someone talking about the state of parachurch organizations with all the stuff going on with CRT and different things um, going on within um, that realm of uh, the stratosphere. Uh, it sounds like that's going to be a really good uh, discussion, I believe, the way that that is going to be discussed. And then uh, I've got some interviews that I'm lining up. <clears throat> Excuse me. I've got some interviews that I'm lining up with some pastors and leaders that I think you're going to um, find interesting. So we're hoping to go into a new direction. It's definitely going to feel like a new season uh, when we get back. Eric and I... Um, we had discussed this week. This week was the first week of school for Massachusetts, so he and I were back in the trenches uh, here in New England of um, education. And, you know, uh, Eric and I know that it pays the bills. And I think for Eric, he realizes that uh, he's going to be bivocational. I would much rather be uh, vocational as a pastor because my heart is more um, into developing and discipleship. Um, and I feel like I need to be more out into the community and, and different things. But, um, oops, sorry, there we go, there's the chair. Um, but it's just an interesting interesting uh, realm. But uh, we definitely, if, if we were to say a new season is starting, it will be... Um, next, next uh, episode we will begin those. But um, yeah, I've have I've got some some interesting interviews. I've got one with uh, David Jackson that I'm trying to work on, who uh, is a um, replant catalyst for the North American Missions Board. He actually uh, was a mentor of uh, Eric's and my. Uh, for a number of years here in New England. Uh, he just recently moved to South Carolina. Um, he is going to be deeply missed up here because, um, you know, he just was a vital part for uh, four or five decades up here. He was up here since the 70s. And um, just uh, really a a wealth of knowledge to, to get to speak and talk to him and just see how even he uh, was always educating himself, which is going to go into our discussion here in a little bit. But uh, he's one of them. Another one I'm working on is with a couple of pastors. Um, you know, within church revitalization, we talk about adoption and fostering. And I think um, I've heard this a couple of times. But many people um, do not quite uh, listen in on some of the uh, some of the stuff out there when it comes to um, trying to think of how to describe this. But um, we do get 
a um, group of people. Wow. I feel like Sam Raina right now. I just, uh, the people are outside ready to mow the lawn, and I didn't know that they were going to be here. But um, <clears throat> just real quick on this. Um, one of the things that was discussed early on, uh, I think we had touched on it, is um, when a church uh, begins to rent out its space for another church to come in and, um, well, there's a couple of people I know, uh, one pastor I know of a church, uh, they began doing this um, roughly about 12 years ago or so, and um, the the uh, fellowship, the the unity, everything there has just been beautiful to read and hear about. As um, they have now uh, actually gone on to speak to uh, conferences and um, pastors' meetings and different things about the arrangement that they have, and uh, I'm hoping. To get them on, I had actually talked to them just before uh, the world stopped being the way it was last year. And uh, I am working on being able to bring that interview uh, to light because I really do feel that for some of you out there, this might be a great option for you to think about um, in your church if you're not quite ready to close the doors, but you're trying to figure out what that next step is, I think that this may be something that is really going to help and speak to you in that regard. Now, going on to back to Dave and talking, and I probably should have talked about Dave last and would have been a great segue into it, but uh, like I was saying, Dave is, um, you know, he's still relatively young. Don't get me wrong. He's still relatively young. Um, but he, um, he has noticeably, noticeably, uh, like when talking to me, mentoring me over the last year in one, in, uh, my classes, um, there were things that he brought up that he knows have changed within, uh, leadership development. And, uh, one way is, is that he has constantly kept educating himself. And so that brings us to the discussion topic I wanted to talk today, which was um, leadership and continued education. And I'm not talking about continuing uh, going out and doing what I just did, finishing uh, a master's degree. What I'm talking about in this is that when you go ahead and you are... Uh, continuously reading, you're looking for resources, you have uh, perhaps a circle of friends and, and pastors that you fellowship with, and you are always um, in communication looking for those ways in which you can um, just constantly uh, keep up with everything going on, no matter what. You may sit there and struggle. You may sit there and um, really wonder what's going on with certain things. Um, you know, I don't know how it would go, but, um, you know, just reading books to help expand your mind, challenge you. Uh, I can remember, I can remember 
uh, a couple of mentors that I had in my life early on in my um, pastoral career uh, telling me how uh, you have to read and you don't have to agree with everything that you're reading. It's, it's meant there to challenge you, to stretch you, to pull you apart, and to help you uh, think and rethink things, uh, learn new things, rethink things, maybe see where something may have uh, expanded its time too much and needs to go away, or maybe there's something there that you need to um, put away, you know, uh, begin, I should say, something that uh, maybe your church needs to start. And so, um, you know, how is this? You know, and so when you begin, some of the stuff that you're going to do is you're going to read books on leadership. And so um, leadership is an interesting thing. It's kind of a hot button. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest with you. In many cases, um, many people do not like to discuss leadership because, um, you know, in the last 20, 30, 40 years, we look at the church growth movement. And we see how uh, there has been this thinking of the church at, or the pastor as CEO and the church more in a business model. And <clears throat> we see things uh, how they are. We, we see where churches grew exponentially, um, high numbers. But the question really becomes, uh, for a number of people, is um, what was going on? Did Were there real conversions going on? Um, you know, what was, the, what, what was the benefits of this? Um, especially when we look at, say, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago we discussed Mars Hill and uh, how Mars Hill sh pretty much shut its doors because it was built solely around the ego and mind of Mark Driscoll. And we look at um, different things in those eras. And we know that if it's of God, it's, it's not, nothing's going to stop it. And so um, how, do we, how do we know that? And so uh, one thing is understanding that you can read books uh, on church growth, on certain things. Mark Clifton talks about it that there are good points within the church growth movement that pastors of um, traditional fundamental um, reformed types of churches need to look at and understand it we do see that we do see a number of churches that meet those uh, qualifications that there is something there that they are following which when you read a lot of these principles, you see that they have adopted these principles. I don't know if um, the, the pastors realize it. Maybe the pastors do. Maybe the pastors have read uh, some of these books, but they're just not saying it because of the stigma. But the important part is, is that we can learn from these books. Like I'm reading right now um, Extreme Ownership by... Uh, Jocko Wilnick and Leif Babin. And there are things, there There was like one thing in there as I was reading it and I was like, man, this, this really sounds like revitalization. And I don't have the book with me, 
because uh, it is in my briefcase. Somebody gave me a briefcase for graduation after I had gone to a nice backpack, but um, it was interesting in that um, I'm reading it, and as he's talking about the business world, I was like, man, this sounds like churches. And it's a simple fact. It's a simple little thing. You're going to sit there and say, Don, no, duh. But here's the thing. If we're sitting there and we argue that, hey, this we shouldn't read because, you know, X, Y, and Z, we're missing the point. There are good things to understand. And part of extreme ownership is taking responsibility for everything, good and bad, um, that falls under the leader's uh, watch. And so um, one of the things that he talks about here, and I think this was Leaf that was talking, um, he, he says, uh, you know, finally, when it came to the VP's plan to streamline, I, I took a picture of this just so you know, um, streamline the manufacturing process, the pushback was universal, straight, and from the classic mantra of anti-change. We have always done it this way, and if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And so it, it was kind of like this interesting thing. You read it and you're going, man, that's, that's church revitalization too, because a lot of churches don't want to change. They don't want to do things. So that is um, what we, we get, you know. And um, so I'm reading this book and I'm really getting a lot out of it. Now, am I going to sit there and I'm going to become, you know, you're going to see Legacy Church trying to, you know, move from this nice little New England quaint, white church building into a mall or anything? No, we're not. The thing is, though, is that there are challenges in how to lead. You know, how do I lead? What are the ways I lead? You know, which direction am I going and am I communicating it clear enough? And these sound like no-brainers, right? They sound like no-brainers. But the thing is, is understanding that we can become so defensive and say we don't want to follow a, a church growth model and we don't want to read these books. We're going to read only certain things, certain books of a certain type. And when we do that, we stun our education. You know, I look at it like I was going for a, a degree in church revitalization and it had me read theology books. It had me read a book on apologetics. It had me read a book on hermeneutics. It had me um, study church history. You know, what do those have to do with church revitalization, you might be saying. But this is the thing is, when you go for an education, you are going for something that is going to stretch your mind. You're going to uh, learn things. You, you have to read things which can actually help you. There are points within those that will help you uh, when communicating and describing and everything how to probably, properly see where the church is in its lifespan and how to move the church forward. And in many ways, there are things that we want to make sure that we are doing things biblically. So that's the one thing. You know, you can read uh, leadership books, but uh, even, even so, there are principles, business principles in the Bible that we pull from. And so that's one thing to understand. Um, 
you know, when it comes to, uh, you know, looking for these books, you know, you might ask yourself where, well, you know, I mean, library, um, Amazon, I mean, no joke there, you know, there, there's a, a wealth of resources. The thing is, is, um, you know, where are you going to get these books? Uh, what books should you read? And I think the important thing is, is talking to people. If you have circles and groups of people to talk to, you're going to get some good books. And you're going to know right away if, if a book is really going to be something that you need to read um, or something that's going to totally rub you the wrong way. And what I mean is um, there are books on um, church or, or church growth that I think um, need to be read, including some of the classic ones. Um, those ones help you because when you read it, there is really nothing about, you know, being pastor or CEO. There is more um, about, you know, being a missional church uh, versus, um, you know, being a dead church. We look at, uh, so like one of the first books out there was Bridges of God by Donald McGavern. And, you know, I've even heard some of the guys in Revitalization say, this is a book, yes, it's the book that really began the church growth movement, but at the same time, it has principles in there that when you read it and you look at the state of your church right now, you can see if your church is truly missional, truly understands. So you can do as um, uh, Gordon McDonald says, um, mine nuggets of gold out of something that you may not want to read, but that you're going to get and use. And so, you know, there are things that you, pastor, are going to sit there and you're not going to like, you know, we have to continuously read. Um, we know uh, leaders are readers. That's that's the old saying out there. But we know that uh, within churches that there are pastors who are not going to read something because it goes against their very, uh, I don't know how to quite say it, but they just have like this feeling like if I read this, I'm going to curse myself. You know, they, they just don't want to touch certain books. And that is the problem that exists out in um, America right now within the American churches. The American church is all about reading the books and everything that is going to help them uh, feel good about their direction that they're going in. In other words, if you're uh, a name it and claim it type person, you're going to be reading any book by a name it and claim it type preacher. If you're a reformed pastor, you're going to be re reading only reformed books. Um, and that becomes a detriment to ministry because we can learn from others. And I'm trying to think where I heard that. I actually heard that from a reformed pastor if I remember rightly, saying we can learn from others. And it's not, you know, don't, don't think of it in that CRT thing. It's not. What it's saying is that we can learn from our brothers and sisters in the faith that are truly uh, hearing the Word of God uh, come through their study and 
prayer and everything. Like they're just in that close-knit grouping with the Holy Spirit that they know that they need to be, um, you know, helping themselves, helping others. So that is the one thing we need to do. And so you can you can read books and get stuff, and that's that's what's happening with me right now. I'm reading this book. It's not even a, a book you know written by, as far as I know, uh, Christians, but it is got a wealth of stuff in there that I'm sitting there saying, yeah, you know, I can understand this. I I can get that. You know, uh, how many pastors put the blame? I, I think of that right now. How many pastors put the blame of something? On themselves. That's one thing about extreme ownership. Um, you know, long story short, Jocko Wilnick um, had a, a, a situation where um, men were shot and killed. It was friendly fire incident and uh, basically had to report to his commanders what was going on. And after he was debriefing and reviewing everything, he saw the only person responsible was himself, and he took the blame. That's where the title extreme ownership comes from. And really, how many pastors that we hear get upset uh, that the the uh, everything was off? You know that um, the the uh, man. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I'm hearing the the lawnmower in the background, and my OCD's getting me. But, um, you know, how many pastors, they, they hear what's going on, they, they see uh, the slideshow wasn't perfect, uh, something happened with sound, and they're berating the person um, in the room uh, for that. And they're not taking the blame for themselves. And that's what happens when you look at it. A lot of pastors lose respect from people because of that, whereas uh, Wilnick in this incident took the blame and his commanding officers and everything um, came to respect him more. His men, the command, his commanding officers, everybody respected him more for taking the blame uh, for the failure of what happened. So, you know, that's the thing that I'm getting out of it is... You know, how many pastors uh, would do that? How many pastors are doing that? So it comes down to the final thing. Why would we want to read these books? And, and simply put, it's to keep expanding our horizons, keep challenging us. Um, if you don't like a challenge, I'll, honestly, I'm going to say maybe you're not called to be a pastor or at least a senior pastor because you're going to be constantly challenged in, in the role that you are called to. If you're a senior pastor, you have all these things that keep piling up on you that are challenging you. And if you don't like the challenge, then resign and go find a, a spot in the second chair or on a church board or um, a, a parachurch group. Because, you know, that is the thing. You're going to be challenged. You're being constantly challenged. And as you're constantly challenged, you need to be putting that forward for those people to understand and see, um, uh, you know, how you're doing, why you're doing, are you communicating everything perfectly? Um, because that's the thing. If you're not communicating 
perfectly what you're learning. Um, you know, and this comes back from uh, my old pastor, my home church pastor. Uh, to me, is if you're not communicating, if you're thinking that they should already have it, and you're going with it at that, you're failing as a pastor. So anyway, that's it for this week. Um, there's really nothing more I can go. I'm looking forward to um, season, I don't know, are we at season four or season five on this podcast? I really don't know at this time. Um, it's, it's kind of um, a surprise for me uh, that we have come this far. I don't know if I'm going to put numbers anymore. I, I don't want to put numbers anymore. Um, but I know that there are things that just keep asking me for numbers. And uh, so I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm trying to, to uh, think all this stuff through. Uh, I'll hopefully get a chance to talk to Eric this week. Um, hopefully, uh, as he's away, he said he was going to try to uh, get that episode done with uh, Sarah. And we will see it come to light but anyway that's it i'm i'm gonna say bye and god bless and we will see you in the morrow